You are tuning in to the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, or known as GEM. This is the Little Caesars Pizza Special Edition Upload. Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, where there are three locations within the community and many more locations nationwide. Little Caesars Pizza is the largest carryout pizza chain internationally. Convenient, delicious, and cost-effective is a brief yet simple way to describe Little Caesars Pizza. You can order online through their user-friendly online pizza portal. Why wait any longer? Get on those phones, download the app, or get on your computer and make that order right now the game sports show and gem thanks little caesar's pizza in particular little caesar's pizza in sioux st Marie, ontario for its support the game sports show is heard on spotify apple amazon podbean and podtail podcast platform as well as the game you can make the game a part of your homepage on your mobile device by simply clicking the link and pasting it to your homepage. also you can follow the game sports show on facebook and instagram which is tagged at the Game Sports Show. Now that you're settled in, let's get into another edition of TGSS. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, GEM for short, along with the GameSportsShow.com. And we are inside the Game Entertainment and Media studios for this up. Getting to our special edition co-host here on this upload, main co-host of the special edition uploads, and this is brought to you by Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interiors. A man with over 1,000 professional games. He's been all over the world. Wicked speed, wicked clap on from the top of the circle. And as I mentioned, my main co-host on these special Edition uploads. Brendan Brooks. Brooksy, how's it going, pal? It's going good, man. It's good to be back and uh, got a great guest today and uh, look forward to chatting with him. Now getting to our special edition guest, he is a former seventh round pick to the Quebec Nordiques in 1993. He played 93 games in the National Hockey League for the Columbus Blue Jackets and Montreal Canadiens. He grew up in PEI, was born in Halifax. Uh, he has played a total of over 1,250 professional games with totaling over 1,300 games, counting the NHL on top of that. Former 135-point man with the Kingston Frontenacs in the Ontario Hockey League, where he won the Red Tilson Trophy, the Jim Mon Memorial Trophy, CHL Player of the Year, as well as having his number 17 retired in the rafters. He has played in the NHL, AHL, IHL, Russia, KHL, Italy, Swiss League, Finland, East Coast Hockey League, EIHL, and now taking his talents after retiring from 25 years of pro hockey to focus on people's financial future with IG Wealth Management. And yes, I took that right from his Twitter bio, bio David Lang. Dave, thanks for coming on, pal. Hey, glad to have me. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing awesome. And I hope you like that intro. I had to take a breath before I did it. <laughs> it was longer than my hockey DB page. <laughs> Now, you know, before we even get into starting from right from the start to the finish here, I want to start off with this topic, a topic that's well known. That'll be our post opener topic, if you will. Water skiing with the Zamboni. <laughs> can, can you can you remind listeners that probably already know this story, but uh, for others that are like maybe new to listening to you or just uh, even some new listeners to our show. Can you explain what water skiing with the Zamboni phrase that I just said means with you? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretending that you're, you're water skiing behind the, the Zamboni. And I used to do it in practice and, you know, it, in North America. But it, if you did it in a game, you'd probably be shot. But I was <laughs> I was over in England and there was uh, the, the linesman came out of the uh, before the period. And we were up seven to two or something. The linesman came out, slammed the penalty box door and the glass broke. So they had to bring the Zamboni out to clean up the glass. And I'm just sitting there. And, you know, it's quiet in the rink, and everyone just sitting there. And I looked to the guy beside me, and I said, uh, "Watch this." And there, were, there wasn't even time to stop me. I just went out and did it, and it, it went viral. 
<laughs> do you do that? Do you actually water ski when uh, when you're on the waters or anything like that? Is it something that you actually do, or you just did it for the moment for the Zamboni portion? I definitely I I have water skied. I wouldn't be a water skier. I just you know it was one of them pranks or tricks that that, <laughs> that you do. <laughs> it's literally awesome, and you can see it on David Ling's uh, uh, Twitter page. Nonetheless, what I really want to get into on this post opener part was, you know, you right now what you're doing. I, I obviously we're going to jump into when you played, and we're going to wrap up and remind listeners where we can follow you and what you're doing. But you have a master's in business, correct? And that you're at IG Wealth Management. Just give kind of the listeners what you're doing now post hockey. Yeah, so I took my MBA in England, and uh, when I came back and and was figuring out what to do. I was always uh, interested in the, the financial part, and I became friends with my division director, Jason Dalio, and 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 he he said, why don't you come in and and, and give it a give it a look? And uh, you know, I I looked at IG ten years ago, and and it wasn't a fit, and I it wasn't a fit for me then, and I was I was still playing, so I I really didn't dig deep into it, and then uh, almost two years ago, I I looked into it, and I saw the change that investors group was making to IG wealth management and and being competitive in the in the financial industry and uh, I thought you know this is uh, this is a really good opportunity to get into the finance with a good company with a with a lot of support and it's uh, you know I'm a I'm a planner more than a than a than a broker as people people think but I'm I plan and we and we really concentrate on the tax efficiency coming out in retirement and, and planning that we do care about the growth, but it's it's really about saving as much money as you can and, and bringing it out and not giving the CRA as, as much as as you can. See, obviously what you did, you had a long and great hockey career, right? And, uh, you know, you played, you traveled the world, and now you're able to do something after hockey. And, you know, despite the success that you had as a player, you must be happy about the success that you've had off the ice as well into the workplace. Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a grind, especially through COVID, trying to, you know, meet people. But, you know, when you when you get them and you, and you, and you educate them and, and you know, they make their plan themselves because you educate them and they make the decisions. But when you, when you see them be put in the right track and, and see the stress level, leave their, leave their brain. It's, it's a really good feeling knowing that you're going to help them now and you're going to help them into the, into the future and into retirement and, and give, you know, the, our biggest fears is run out of money and we can, we can at least show you that you're not going to run out of money or what you can do to, to not run out of money. And that's amazing. You know, there's a lot of different articles, and there's one I'll give a shout out to SB Nation that did a, a very nice article about what you did after you played. And obviously, that's where I got the information because you and I didn't chat about this on Instagram, what your background was or anything. Obviously, I did my research about who you were, but to see what you're able to do off the ice, just fantastic. And Brooksy and I have a common friend here in town. It's actually a former teammate of yours, actually, uh, Jeremy Rebick, that I'm sure that you remember in no way. That obviously, I think he, I don't know if he has a master's or whatnot, but despite that, he's found a career kind of after playing some uh some professional hockey right and brooksy i know you're into the workplace as well it's just good to see like after you play it's good to see people get back and you know give in a certain way in a different way outside of playing hockey despite what it is so it must be uh, very rewarding what you're doing with ig wealth management and just to see yourself have a master's and have that education like that that's something to be very proud of for yourself you know that's one thing for myself i only got a degree kind of in business and never decided to pursue the master's side 
side of things. However, it's a very good field to get into business. And I recommend anyone who wants to take schooling, business is a good one to get into. But Brooksy, I'm going to slide over to you to get into our first topic uh, for the topic one to going back to when David was in his junior days in Kingston. Yeah, no, I just wanted to talk about, you know, where it all kind of began, your, you know, before you headed into pro and, uh, you know, playing in Kingston, you spent three years, three successful years. Uh, that's putting it lightly. Um, I just want to hear about your experience there in uh, Kingston. Yeah, you know, I, I was, I'm from the East Coast, so I came up, I came up my 16 year old year to play at uh, St. Mike's. I ended up playing a couple months and ended up going back home, but just letting them uh realized that you know i did want to play in the ohl back then we could pick any of the leagues or 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 go college and you know um with my style of play back then i i thought the ohl and and i i never really considered the other leagues i didn't want to play in the quebec league and the western league was too far so i ended up at st mike's becoming good friends with brett lindros and we both ended up getting drafted to kingston and you know it kind of made the kind of made the transition up to kingston and a little easier knowing knowing him, knowing a few other guys from, from the East coast. And, uh, you know, I had three years there that it started, you know, I, my first two years, I, I did get some points, but I was, I was losing a lot of fights and, and, and learning how to fight and, and showing people that my five, nine statue wasn't uh five, nine. And, and the last year I ended up getting a lot of, lot of ice time from the, the coach and, and, and taking advantage of it. You know, we were playing two minutes in the power play, playing two lines most of the game. So it was not only did I have a good year, but it was an opportunity that the coach gave me that some coaches just don't believe that that's the way to coach. And and you can't coach that way anymore. The game's too fast. Yeah, it's amazing when uh, you think about the time and era that we grew up, you know, especially, you know, you and I are very similar in stature. So like how much you actually, how tough we had to play just to prove, you know, because they were taking big guys all the time that were six foot or over and, uh, you know, I know that we're very similar and, you know, we wanted to prove a point and make sure that, hey, size doesn't matter. You know, if you can play and play tough, we can do it just as good as them, if not better. Yeah, and it, it, it's funny because I remember I, I reflect with buddies and or, or ex-teammates or players and, and, you, and I look at the tall slow d that couldn't play now and that had 15 year careers and there's small really fast guys that for sure would have had a 15 year nhl career that because they played in the era where it was big they they didn't get the chance so i i kind of like i like looking at different players to see which ones would play and a lot of them are small offensive d that that you know that were fast that didn't get the opportunity just because they were small yeah, no, it's it's a shame, and it's a, it's amazing uh, how the game has changed from our era, and uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a new uh, a new way new way of hockey, and uh, you know it's not the grinding it out and big hits and fights all the time, and uh, it's uh, but it's a fast game, and the guys are uh, you know a lot smaller, and uh, I think you know you and I would have uh, done pretty well in this new new age. Yeah. See, that's one thing I was going to even bring up like late a bit later on was one thing with Dave about how there's a player that I'm going to almost compare you to. 
I don't know if you're going to like it, but I'll say it after and see what your reaction is. But it seemed going even with with kind of when you played the junior hockey and went into pro and we'll jump into your draft day and pro and everything. But it seems that you took your player type from junior and brought it to pro, right? Like the ability to score, to pass. And I think Brooksy, when you and I were talking before we went off air, he, was a, he saw his vision on the ice was superb, right? So uh, again, you were able to get into the dirty areas. You didn't hesitate to cause a storm. And with someone being in that 5'9 stats or, or so when you played, was that that something that you knew you had to do or was that just something that was just you like being that multi-dimensional type player did that just come naturally or did you know that hey to get to that next step I had to get those pins I had to beat the crap win some fights lose some fights not be scared cause a storm and all that it yeah you know I I was I had a meet I had a dirty streak growing up in in minor hockey and uh, I ended up playing tier two in Charlottetown at 14 and my coach was Forby Kennedy a guy that you know, a, a fighter back in the original six. And I think he played with every team then, but he, you know, he, he, he sat me down and said, Hey, if you, if you want to play and you got, and, and you want to play away and you want to be successful, you're going to have to either learn how to fight or just fight. And, you know, it, 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 it's funny because the kids now don't even realize, don't even know what fight is. So it's, you know, it's some of the parents now would, it'd be almost child abuse, but you know, that was, that was the, that was the way. And that was what, we had to do and all I wanted to do was was play hockey and I did I didn't when someone said you can't play I I, I didn't I didn't believe them and I said no I can play and and I, I'm going to do whatever it takes my brother went my brother went to Notre Dame the college route he he didn't have that physical side and 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 you know I knew that I had being five nine I had to go to the OHL and I had to prove myself see Brooks you 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 were telling me that you knew Dave's brother yeah, no, I got to play with him in uh, Dayton in my one of my first years pro, and uh, yeah, you guys are. Is he still living there? The mm-hmm. uh, you guys are you know totally opposite as players, and uh, you know I know that you chirp a bit. Your brother was really quiet, and uh, it's it's amazing the difference between the two of you. But he was a very skilled hockey player. If not like, and that people compare us now, and I say you know what, I got there, but he was a better better player he had better he had better vision he had better skill I just went a different route and 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 had a different aspect to my game be it fighting but also as Brooks you probably know will tell you I was really dirty and <laughs> and I I really got I really got excited when players didn't like me on the other team and I and it and it it'll it allowed me to play better and a lot of guys play worse but it 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 I I got I got I got excited <laughs> <laughs> see that's that's the way to, to be in and when you were playing junior you're playing with some good names too like chris gratton chad kilger uh craig reve and if i butcher this name uh i apologize but uh, i believe his name was kelly corpse did i say yeah. that yeah, yeah. It, and you must like look back or just keep in touch with some of these teammates or can like is there do you keep in touch with these guys is basically what i'm asking or do you have yeah uh, you know and memories of that you know, or, it's yeah, for sure. And you know, I I keep in touch probably with two or three guys from every year. And and as anyone that played hockey, your teammates with twenty guys, but you don't like them all. So in <laughs> in the dressing room, you do it. And you know, I keep in touch with two or three guys. And there'd be got more guys that I would keep in touch with. But you know, with with everyone's different situations, it's hard to keep in touch with everyone, and you, and you lose track. But it, you know, you, social media now, you get to Google people and see where they are and see what they're doing, and 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 it, it allows you to keep that going, I guess. 
It does. Now, like, is there any kind of stories or memories from any of those guys that you would say that really sticks out from your junior days? No, but I reflect back on, uh, like, guys like Chris Gratton and guys like Craig Rive and 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 they were so determined and so hardworking and you know they did they have pressure from their families sure and 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 but they they wanted to do it and they were really hard workers and they were determined to get there and you know when you you look back not every player that you played with in junior really was focused on getting to the next level or getting to the NHL or had a plan and and those two guys for sure had a plan and it 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 definitely showed through their career yeah, you know what, like it was a lot, lot of those guys, you know, like obviously from what I see that they they had that two-way type style. I like to call it the two-way, but the modern day two-way is different from what I, well, I think anyways, different than what it was the the earlier days of the, the, the two-way hockey player. But Brooksy, I know we've jumped in and already talked about junior. I'll get to you. I, I know you always kick off this question about draft day because you ask it best, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, I just... Uh... You know, your draft day, you know, is coming up. Uh, I was just curious, did you have a bunch of meetings with teams or did you know where you were going, that it was going to happen? Or was it just a big surprise when, you know, was Quebec even on the radar for you? Yeah, you know, I, I talked to a few teams and 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 back back in the early 90s, they really only it, it, it's not like it was. They really only talked to the first couple round guys. And, and you know, I, I was rated, I think, in the sixth round and you know i i was that cocky confident kid that like there's no way that i'm not going i just you know i had a good year and but you know you, you get through the fifth round the sixth round you're, then you start second guessing yourself and it was in quebec city it was at the Coliseum, and i ended up getting drafted by the nordiques which you know it's it's uh besides playing your first nhl game and scoring your first nhl goal it's there's nothing there's no better excitement than getting drafted in, in, in the NHL and, and having that dream that much closer to, to playing. See now Quebec now obviously with moving to Colorado and obviously there's some legends with when when it comes to the Quebec Nordiques. I know that city really wants a hockey team back and Obviously, you were moved. Uh, you you got traded from uh, Quebec, and went, uh, when they moved to Colorado, you got traded to Calgary. But we'll jump into that. The first thing I want to get into first is your draft in general, like legendary draft. Like you had Alexander Dag, Chris Pronger, Paul Korea. I know Alexander Dag. There's a lot of other terms that people use about him, but we won't jump into that. Uh, Jason Arnott, Todd Bertuzzi, and heck, the big man Hal Gill, and the list goes on. And Alexander Dag actually played. Approximately 850 professional games where you played, as mentioned, over 1,300 in total and pretty healthy ones at that. Now, you played that two-way type multidimensional style, as I mentioned, hard nose in particular. Obviously, injuries occur in a career, but you did play a long and healthy career for the most part. Uh, what did you do maintaining to keep up with your health and play for as long as you did? What was the secret? Drink beer. No. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no Enjoy I, the game. I, I, you know, I was always a guy that went on the bike, but the the thing with with me, I think that helped is I wasn't uh, I wasn't speedy. I had my head was always up. I knew how to protect myself, and I think that I just didn't put myself in positions to to get hurt and and, and get hit. I mean, I was lucky in fights because you can get hurt at any time. But I mean, during the game, 
I didn't, I wasn't tall and lanky where my legs were out and, and I was getting clipped and my knees were going. And I was, you know, I was always aware of what was, what, what was ahead of me. And, and, and I think that really helped in, in, uh, the longevity. Yeah. It's like, obviously you, when you stay healthy, that's huge. And Brooks, you also played, uh, you know, a good, I think you played up until 38, 39, right? You just like, you. uh, I retired, uh, just after my 40th. Brooks was a lot faster than I was. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a long. I didn't I did the same thing, you know. I really loved the ho- the game of hockey, and I did not want to do anything else. You know, I think from a young kid, uh, you know, I'm sure you know David had the same thing when he, you know, because we were small that you know you had people telling you that it's not going to happen or you're not going to be able to do it or or whatever, and it was a uh, you know, it was a pride thing that you wanted to just prove all these people wrong. And, uh, and, uh, I fought for every inch I got and, uh, and I loved the game and I got to travel the world and like David and, uh, you know, there was nothing better. It, uh, you know, I had some injuries, but you played through them. Uh, and that's what we did back then. See, and Dave, you, did you, was there ever a point, Dave, where you were like, all right, I, I want to stop. Like before, when you before you actually stop, were there times when you were second guessing, or you were like at that point where you're like, I'm done with this. You know, was there ever that kind of lapse where you want to stop playing, or did you truly love the game from start right until you took off your skates for the last time um, in professional hockey? I, I, I still haven't said that. So it, you know, <laughs> like I I knew that the, that I had to get on with on with my life, and I knew that the opportunity in the game was passing me by the, I, you know, the last year I played in the East Coast, like, yeah, I could play the power play, but was I really good five on five? No, because the game's really fast. So, you know, I've, I'm going to play rec hockey or whatever hockey I can until I can, until, until my body says you can't play. Like, so if that's 80 year old David Ling skating around with 60 year old, old timers, I'm going to do it. Love that. I just, I just, lo- I just like playing. See, and uh, I don't know how Joe Thornton does it in the NHL. I know he's a different freak in nature, but 41 years old. And Matt Cullen, there's another guy who played until he was 42, I believe. Marlowe is still going, who's right behind Gordy Howe in his games played. But, you know, it seems like they don't build them like they used to. Okay, and it's a good way to put it. And I just think when someone who plays a career as long as you did, or even as long as Brooks, he did, despite whatever league it, it was in, or if it's in the National Hockey League, you know – health and just being an athlete overall athlete and love of the game is just and you don't stop and that's it's amazing to see how like someone like joe thornton can play in the national hockey league now with guys like connor mcdavid mitch marner and all these kids that are fast and they don't like you we said earlier in the interview where you mentioned that they don't know what fighting is that young generation you know they're fighting as them either spitting on each other or pushing each other and saying hey you're soft and skating away you know like there's they don't have those tough hard-nosed guys unless you want to look at a ryan reeves or a certain type of players but like it must be difficult and going around with this is joel thornton playing at 41 years old when i'm getting at is that must be almost that's hard to see someone like himself and marlo playing 41 years old in national hockey that must be tough yeah you know what marlo marlo's a little different joe's joe's not real real fast and and i and, and when people ask me sometimes i'm like you know what i never had to i never had to get old and slow i was always slow so i didn't have to re rechange my game and, and readapt to how it was going i was always slow i knew how to get get the puck off my stick and get into the opening and let someone else carry the puck down the ice so it was i didn't have to have to 
re-reamp my game where some guys get hurt and they get slower and they get older and they get slower and they and they they have to change their game totally because they used to be the fast guy that beat guys to open pucks and 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 they had to change the game and sometimes people just can't change like that so I think that I think that not changing your game Marlowe's still fast so it's I don't know I don't know what's going on there but you know it's I think it's just not not having to to change too much because changing too much you're having to time defensemen time goalies time forwards you know even timeline changes if, you, if you're fast before you're and you're not fast now it's it's a big difference I think that's one thing that you know benefited me I I was always slow and people say oh you're a smaller guy you could play in the game today not a chance I wasn't fast enough the game's too fast and if I'm the GM I want a big fast guy and if I can't get the big guy I want the fast guy yeah, speed is so huge now, so huge. And NHL teams, though, and back to with uh, when you were drafted with Quebec, as I mentioned, you were after they relocated to Colorado, you got dealt to Calgary. You then traded from Calgary to Montreal, where you played a couple games and spent a few years in that organization. In general, you were traded from the Habs to the Hawks. Um, then you were traded from the Hawks to the Stars. Left the Stars as a free agent. Signed with the Jackets, where you played 90 games every 93 games in the National Hockey League, plus a good amount of time that organization in general. You left the Jackets to sign with the Leafs, which I'll say right now, host hat off here for a second, I'm pretty jealous of. Uh, before things got started overseas, when you ventured over there and back in North America. So let's jump into the feelings of your first National Hockey League game and getting that first crack with the Habs, you know, like original six franchise, that fan base is also very intense and passionate. And even though you only played a couple games, you know, it must, it must have just been a thrill to put on that jersey. And you must kind of remember your first NHL game, that feeling you were having. Yeah, I remember. I remember it. It, it, it gets better. It, it, you know, I, I was, I was playing in Fredericton. You get the call up, and it's. It's Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, Boston Bruins, Ray Bork, and I'm and I'm and I'm in the lineup. So you know, it's it's not only playing the NHL, you're you're nationwide on hockey night in Canada, and it's what we all watched growing up. To you know, and so I go in. I remember the morning skating. I'm like so nervous. I didn't make one pass. I could barely skate. I had no energy. There was so much nerves. And then you know, I got eight or nine shifts because you didn't play that much back then, and and I, and I felt good. You know, I hit the post. I I hit Bork behind the net, and the picture in the, the Gazette the next day was me hitting Bork. It didn't show me falling down after because he was about four feet wide. But, you know, it, it was – my dad was at the game. Family was at the game. And and it, and it was – it was you couldn't couldn't script it any better. No, I couldn't imagine. Brooksy. Yeah, no, I see, you know, you played with some, you know, great people like, you know, Shane Corson, Dan Foos, uh, Tebow, Recky, you know, and a uh, good friend of our show and good friend of mine, Terry Ryan, who uh, I guarantee you got some stories about him. Uh, uh, he's a beauty, that's for sure. So, some I can uh, say and some I can't. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it was a lot of leadership in that room. And, uh, you know, is there a guy, you know, when you first got called up that kind of, you know, went over, chatted with you, you know, kind of you know, fill you in, kind of calm your nerves a bit. Tell me it was Terry. <laughs> you know, he, he, he was still junior at that time, but no, I, I get into Montreal. I, I get into the hotel and, you know, you don't have a cell phone. I get into my room and there's a message on my phone and it's uh Shane Corson saying, picking you up at seven o'clock, we're going to dinner, you know, and, and just to have that, you know, leadership or, or whatever. I don't know if you just wanted to, to have have a beer or, or, or whatnot but it was like to take the to take the the nerves away and and 
and have that it was you know it's something you never forget and i'm you know i'm still friends with shane now and and i think it goes back to to that one day where when when he did reach out and and, and cared or or put himself in my shoes and 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 reached out See, I think there's a guy, Brooks, and you and I were joking about this off there, Shane Course. There's a guy I think I cable guide too much because <laughs> we're so <laughs> we're so waiting for him to be a guest on our show. But I can just imagine. I've always been a fan of uh, Shane Course, especially when he was wearing the blue and white briefly. And you know, the leadership on his end, you know, having that step up and be there is just makes it so much easier that transition. And that's another thing that I don't realize. Uh, that is the same now or that I've realized or that's this, not the same now as it compared to what it was. The leadership, like they don't make them like they used to. I've said it. Mark Reckies, the Shane Corsons, the Don Fooses. And those are some like leadership guys. Like when you think of leaders, you think of those type of hockey players. And when you were in that Habs locker room, was it a loud dressing room? You know, like was there a lot of vocal guys or was there a lot more intense leadership type guys? You know, it, it there 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 was definitely some noise, but it was more you know it was more experience, more what you did on the ice, more the respect that you had, and and you didn't have to speak up to know who the leaders were. You you know, Recky was there, Koivu was there. Koivu didn't talk much, but you know he worked 110 percent on off the ice and always had a smile. And so it 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 was a it was a different kind. And 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 the game right now is is. I'm going to call it run, but it's not run, run by the young guys. They're the, they're the, they're the players that make the most money. And I think that it's, it's lacking some of the, the experience and the Leafs, I think by signing Thornton and by signing Spezza again, are adding that culture that, that is missing, especially in the American league. It's missing in the American league. You can't have those old guys. And I think when I first went into the American league, I still remember the six, seven, eight, 10 year vets that, you know, don't do this because this is going to happen. Don't do this because that's going to happen. And and to just say don't do this and not know that what the outcome is, they know what the outcome was. And and to to know what the outcome was and teach someone this is what's going to happen if you do that is is different than just saying don't do that. See, and that that is literally like the best thing when I think about that. I remember being younger and watching those uh, those teams and those names, the the, the Reckies, the Corsons. Remember John Leclerc was was a name that always. Uh, like the guys like that, you know, like I said, it's different now. And the younger kids, that seems like, and I'm seeing younger kids like Austin Matthews. Uh, Austin Matthews actually looks older than I do, I think. And I'm uh, just, just about 30 years old. So like it's uh, these young, it's so much different. And we've already said this a, a whole bunch of times, but there is someone that we've recently had in our show. One of our previous uploads that, you know, listeners can check out after they are done tuning into this interview was we recently had Corey Locke on the show. Now this wasn't the guy I was comparing you to just, just so you know, but, uh, but he's one of those guys that he's one of those guys that now probably had a longer NHL career than, than you know a small skill guy that that had to had to battle and and sometimes it was physically not 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 there and he would I think he would have had a lot longer NHL career than he did. Yeah, like when I mean, we had him on the show, there's a guy who tore it up right in junior in the American Hockey League, like a lot like yourself, but for some reason didn't crack that lineup full time. And he only had nine NHL games. And like, obviously, I, there's some similarities when it comes to your end being a, uh, you know, not getting that fair chance. But at least you played just under 100 games, right? Were, were there managers or coaches giving you feedback in regards to being too small? Like, I don't you don't need to mention any names or throw anyone under the bus. But I know we kind of briefly touched on it in terms of size, but you 
made up for that despite what the game was. You know, you were you had that success in the junior in the American Hockey League, but with that national level when you were playing with Montreal and eventually when you moved on, did you ever have a coach or a manager say, hey, no, you're too small? You know, it, it they never you didn't ha- they didn't have to tell you you knew like you could tell by who they called up or who they who they had their eye on more than you or or they they didn't have to tell it was it was just, it was known you know you're you're putting up 11 12 goals in a month and they're calling up a guy that you know had one and and they and they and they're putting him in a position up in the NHL where he's in in a, on a scoring line so you know you, you, you don't need to be told you you're smart enough to realize what's going on yeah, like and like honestly, yourself, you know, you were I'm gonna say built like a brick shit house, man. Like you know, you're in shape. So like it's, and this is where I'll jump into the player that I was comparing you to. If you were in the now, okay, and if you disagree with me, you can say whoa, whoa, don't go there. But since you played that hard nosed game, which uh, I'm not sure if you like this comparison as I mentioned, but the style that I want to use and compare you to with now is Brad Marchant, okay, and like please. Please assume he's a smaller guy. He does it offensively. He isn't scared to get his hands dirty. And despite playing at a time where the game was different then and now, it seemed like you're able to hand your own. Or it's that like so being too small shouldn't have been is not an issue with him. So that's why I said it shouldn't be with you either. But was Brad Marchant a good example to use for you? Is that fair? I'll I'll take well, it because you know I in my opinion he's top ten in the world. So I'll I'll take it. But uh, you know I I think that. He uh, he advantaged his size with his his stick and 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 his and his, and his mouth and and really benefit and really you know is is uh, if I'm building a team I'm taking a couple of him so you know I I appreciate it I I wouldn't I wouldn't compare myself to him I would compare more like a Rob DeMaio or. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't. The only thing I won't compare with you guys, I don't think you would lick somebody on the on the on the cheek or the lips, though. <laughs> Whatever he did, wherever he licked somebody. I, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I played against Dave. Nothing's offside. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, no, Brooksy, I'll go to you for uh, getting back into the plane. Yeah, no, I just want to get back and, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, your AHL, IHL, those days you had coaches like Paul McLean, uh, Terry in, um, you know, also, I've also mentioned, you know, just playing with Terry Ryan in the AHL and, uh, you know, being with the Montreal organization, um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to know if you got a story you can tell us about Terry, because, uh, you know, he's going to come on the show again. And uh, he's a guy that we uh, that, you know, he's got his own show and he's uh, really entertaining. Yeah, there's there's one story, you know. Well, there's two stories. I'm gonna, I'll tell you. He he just he just had a second book out, so I'll give him a pump there. But we uh, his rookie year, he came in with he came in and he you know he I still don't know how he didn't get a chance. He had 29 goals, 200 pims, fighting every tough guy and 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 beating them. I mean, and there was someone that didn't like him, someone that didn't like his personality, someone that didn't want him to succeed because the stats that he had his rookie year were 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 crazy you, you know it, it was like back then if you had 29 goals and 200 pimps there's no reason any 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 could play in the nhl so i don't i don't know the first year what happened but uh Tarion was coaching us and he brought in his uh strength coach and i think his name was steph dubé and he and and dubé was a good guy but he came to the bars all the time when we were when we were out and and the rule was if the coach is there 
the players don't go in and if the players are there the coach doesn't go in whether regardless of what kind of trouble you get in the next day but that was the rule and he would always come and no one say nothing no one say nothing i said terry let's you know what let's just initiate him like he's he's pretending he's a player he's acting like a player will initiate him so we freezing cold day in, in fredericton and we toilet paper his car we wrap toilet paper and then wet it it freezes to the car so it looks like a mummy and i said Tarion's going to come in, he's going to yell at us and say that someone initiated the coach. And I said, Terry, don't raise your arm. I'll raise my arm and explain it to him and it'll go away. And I'll be in trouble a little bit, but it'll go away. So t- exactly what happens, Tarion comes in, starts yelling and says, who who did that? I raised my hand. I look out of the corner of my eye and Terry, Terry raised his hand. I think that was the the downfall of the Montreal Canadiens there. Like he just didn't couldn't rebound. I got traded about three months later and, you know, it was just – <laughs> but just one of those things I you know don't do it and he's like I had to I had to be honest I had to do it <laughs> I feel like you after the way I got to know Terry I feel like he would be like all right no put all the blame on Dave you know screw that you know I won't put my hand up I, I know but I think if he had to do it over he wouldn't but then there's a there's another story that I always bring up when we're, we're we're in Providence and and we're playing the Bruins and I'm not going to say it's the night before the game but I think it's the night before the game and Terry goes let's go to the Providence College and I said you know what I've never been there let's go <laughs> so we go in we're we're in the college bar and I go to the the bathroom come back and Terry's not there and I'm like where's Terry go and it's it's like the black it's like a ring floor like the bench floor where it's all like liquor and booze and whatever on the ground spit and there's a circle starting and Terry's break dancing with his suit on and <laughs> by the end of it there's He's got his boxers, two socks, and one shoe on, and one shoe in his mouth, and he's doing the the lie down, and everyone's cheering, and then he gets up and can't find his suit. Someone took his suit, and he had to walk, he had to go to the hotel he, in his boxers. Oh. <laughs> uh, he didn't share that one with us, you know. I can't believe. Oh, he, he will if you bring it up. He knows it. <laughs> See, Terry, you know what? There's a guy that. You know, he's quite the voice, and I can just imagine. We only got to a few stories when he was on with Brooksy and I, and we didn't have enough time because and that's what we were saying. We might have to do a part two, three, four, and five with Terry Ryan, you know, just to get everything out that we need. No, he, and he gets it He gets it really, really well because his dad is a, is a character. Is, I don't know if you've ever seen the basement on some of the videos with the, with the dad and, and some of the discussions that, that the dad has, his dad is very, very smart, but really likes to talk and, and, and is a character. So it, it's, it's, if you, if you can watch Terry senior, watch Terry senior. <laughs> yeah. Good Instagram posts. Those guys, they have some good Instagram posts. Like when Terry uploads his stories on Instagram, he's he's with his dad a good amount of time and they're watching old game tape when Terry was starting out and when he was playing and uh, literally so entertaining. I could tell that the both of them just being in the same room as both those guys, uh, as you both can attest, probably absolute great time. If it's music and hockey, they know, they know the answer. Yeah, I can tell that. I can tell. Now, like there, there's more like guys, obviously, that you were in connection with Brooksy. Like I said off the top, like Jeremy Rebick was a guy that you played with. I think it was just under a handful of games. Uh, there's uh, other players that you played with too, like Stefan Robida, Tomas Fokun. Like there's a lot of good. Like when I look at these names, it makes me look back, and I love seeing those old older names. And in terms of, 
uh, getting to the Jackets, though, overall, you signed there and as a free agent. Was that – obviously you signed there because you most likely wanted to and maybe because you thought it was the best fit. So it's kind of a cliche question. But was was those the reasons why you signed in Columbus? Or did you think that getting to Columbus, that being a part of a newish organization at that time, was kind of the best thing for your career going forward? Or what was that conversation with Columbus that uh, made you to go play in Columbus? Well, you know, it, it – You'll 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 get it and understand that when I, when I tell you, you know, I was from PEI. I'm going into the, you know, I I didn't need an agent at the time. And I I went in the president GMs from PEI, the assistant GMs from PEI, the assistant coach from PEI, the PR guys from PEI. So it was it was a situation where, you know, I'm from PEI. There's a couple other guys from PEI, and it was it was a situation where I I knew that I needed a break and I needed a chance, and I knew that this might be this might be it. And, you know, they told me that if I earned it, that, that I would get a chance. So, you know, it was one of those things that I always, I always came to camp in shape and I, and I always didn't, I didn't leave that on the table. And, and, and the opportunity when I did go to Columbus, you know, it happened the, the first year I was there, Dave King was coaching and the, he 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 didn't like me. He didn't like me as he liked me as a person. Didn't like me as a player. He didn't like that I couldn't skate. He he liked a fast fast two way game defense defense. I didn't even know where my own end was sometimes. So I would, I didn't fit in. But the day that he got the day that he got fired, I was up for a year and a half. And you know Gerard Galanis took over as head coach. He you know he's from PEI. I, I wear number seventeen because of uh, Gerard Galanis. So it was the the opportunity I couldn't pass up, you know, I, I, there is a, there is a story about, about the money. I was, my agent, my agent called me and said, we got you 70 grand in the minors. You know, at that time, all I cared about was the minors. Cause I didn't really think that I needed a break and I had to, my next contract or my next one after the next one would be the NHL one. So, you know, it was how, I was just worried about what I was making in the American league. And I remember him calling me and saying, I, I got you 70 grand in, 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 in Syracuse. And he said, yeah, I said, all right, that's just, you know, that's not bad. That's a pay cut, but you know, I'll take it. And, and I said, well, can I, should I call Jimmy, Jimmy Clark is he's, you know, he's from PEI. I knew him and he said, yeah, give him a call. So I called him up and Jimmy goes, you know, I said, Jimmy, what, what's your plans? He said, you know, we want you to replace Reggie Savage, who was a, I was, you know, I was only 25, 26, but I had that veteran presence at the, at that time. And, and they, we, we want you to replace him and, and play the power play and, and, and help, help some of the young guys and, and, and protect them. And I said, okay, what was Reggie making? And he said, 175. I said, can I do make that? And he said, yeah. So I was like, what? <laughs> so then, so then I'm like, I, I get off the phone. I said, call my agent. I said, he's going to give me 175. So I got 105 raise in five minutes. And, and my agent fought on, on payday build me for the 175 i'm like yeah i would have i would have paid you on the 70 but i'm not paying you nothing now so that was the end of that guy oh yeah, yeah for sure you had to be your own agent <laughs> yeah like it was a five minute phone call so it's that it kind of like pissed me off because then i was like when did he accept you know the first offer before and it was like like it really i lost a lot of trust and it's a big name guy. I won't say it, but it's a big name guy. Yeah. Well, trust is everything with your agent, right? Because you're, you know, everything goes through them, and uh, you got to rely on what they say and sometimes feed back to you. Because if you didn't know, uh, you know, the guy there to call, that wouldn't have happened. And uh, next thing you know, you're just getting seventy instead of the one seventy-five. And that, and and I caught it, but 
I would say 95% and 99% of the people that don't have those relationships and, and, and can't figure it out and, 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 and do get screwed that way. Yeah, you literally would have lost out on 105 K like that, that that's, that's insane. That, that, and honestly for your agent to, at the time to bill you well, on that 175, he's got to be off his rocker. I would have uh, literally the same thing. You I, did. Did. I, 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 did, I did I didn't want to pay, I didn't want to pay him at all, but I said, like my dad said, if he bills you at 70, you know, he, he got you 70. So pay him on the 70. And so I'm like, yeah, you know what, that, that makes sense. And, and then I get the bill and it's, whatever percent on 175 i'm like yeah i don't think i don't think so bud <laughs> i don't think so buddy uh you know try again try again dave 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 hold up a second here gotta make sure the listeners know about thrush creative co head over to the website click the link you can't miss it check them out back to you buddy hey dave can you stop talking you keep talking and talking and talking all the time man i just want to let people know that they should download the new app living sisu all about sports discounts events it's awesome all right dave you can go on with your show it's enough well, in terms of playing in columbus it's loud with that gun going off now uh, etc so when you're playing in columbus they were starting off new at the time they had denis and then i think denis played like 77 games one year when you were there like the guy didn't leave the crease all year and there was like a little younger rick nass was starting out jeff sanderson andrew castles and i believe doug mclean was even a coach when you were in there just yeah yeah, like being a part of that whole transition, uh, did you feel that there was the same atmosphere in Columbus when you were there as it is now, or has that community gotten better since you have played there? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they got better. I think they might have got more educated because you know that it was new, it was new then. But I remember the year that I was there. I remember listening and, and hearing. It's the 38, 38 straight sellout. It's the forty first straight sellout, and and we, you know, we we didn't win two games in a row in those years, and 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 they still stuck by us, and they were still loud, and they were still supportive, and they knew that it was going to take time, and they they still support you, and they they didn't boo you, and they it was you know it was a it was an arena that you know I watch in the playoffs now, and I'm like, yeah, and that's the way it was every night. It was it was an atmosphere where you really enjoyed playing, and they didn't care. At that time, I'm sure they care now that if you lose. But at that time, they didn't care that you lost. They cared that you know that you were you were giving it all. And the guys like Jody Shelley and 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 me that fought, they really really enjoyed. So it was oh, yeah. it was an experience and and a, I I love the city and I I keep saying I want to bring my boys back to watch a game there and I haven't but I will. Columbus, you know, there's a team that eliminated uh, Toronto in this year's COVID playoffs, like they call it. And speaking of Toronto, before I go to Brooksy, because I know we have a lot to get to in terms of, especially overseas, and I'm going to let Brooksy take the lead on. But uh, you, when you signed with Toronto, I got to ask this. Who was a part of that? How was it when the Leafs called you? Or was it more so dealing with the Marlies? Uh, you know, I've had that play in my head ever since I was like five years old, dreaming about getting a call. You know, from that time, it was more like Pat Quinn and all that. But now, you know, like it, it's it, to get a call from Toronto, it's almost like, like it's I think it's obviously better than a Montreal example because, uh, you know, being a Leaf fan, you don't say that, you know, <laughs> Montreal has a better ba- fan base or anything, but they're similar fan bases. OK, they're passionate, they're intense, they're original sixes. But I just want to know, because I have that jealous feeling in it that you signed with that organization. Who was behind all that signing when you went to Toronto? Obviously, you must have been your own agent still. <laughs> no, I, I ended up getting a, a different guy, but, you know, that it was the. 
I played in Columbus. The lockout came. The the American League was going. The NHL wasn't. And and Ferguson, you know, reached out and 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 gave me the opportunity to play in Newfoundland with the Baby Leafs. And it was, uh, you know, I love putting the Montreal Canadian fan, uh, jersey on, but to to put even the, the the American League and you know a couple exhibition games in Toronto. You know, putting a Toronto Maple Leaf jersey on. My dad was a fan. My grandfather was a fan. It was it. Yeah, Montreal was fun, but this 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 was this was a different feeling. Like I, you know, I, I'm a Maple Leaf fan, and 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 it's it was it was surreal, but it was one of the years. You know, that year in Newfoundland, you know, I had one of my best years pro. I played with Kyle Wellwood, and you know, there was I think we were third third and fourth in the scoring race behind Spezza and camillary so it was you know we, we it was a fun year i and but the lockout year and it might have been the best ahl year with all the nhl guys that did come down because there was probably you know one or two every team so the talent level was a little higher in the american league that year so and to play with the baby leaves and 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 support that not only did you have in your home rink but in every rink there was there was toronto fans which made it almost surreal definitely and that's right that was uh, that lockout year but brooksy over to you pal yeah, no, I just want to jump into, you know, obviously as a hockey player, you always want to, you know, stay and as long as you can to try to make the NHL. And then, you know, that decision time comes, you know, about heading over to uh, overseas to Europe. And uh, I'm just curious, you know, what uh, what made that uh, decision come to fruition for yourself? Yeah, you know, it, it I got offered to go to Europe a couple of times. And as you know, Brooks, and and. and I was never ready and, and I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to take 75,000 more dollars to give up the NHL dream. I thought I never, I always thought that I could play and, and I, I didn't want to give it up. I know that if you go over there, there, there are ex- exceptions, but you normally don't come back and you don't come back at the, at the level that you, that you left at. So I wanted to make sure. And, and it was that the lockout year after the lockout year, 200 some players didn't, didn't play play in North America or the NHL after, after the lockout year killed those guys. And I was one of those guys. And, and understandably slow. I was, so I was 30, 31 years old. Why would you, I couldn't make any top six forward in, 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 on any team in the league. Why would you have a third, fourth line player that's 31 when you can have him at 20? And I knew at, at that time that, you know, I, it was time to go, and I I did didn't know where I wanted to go or what, but you know I got a call from from Russia to go to Russia, and you know it was it was good money, and I said sure. So you know obviously you, when you played in Russia, and I know this is also a story that's known, they're known for play, for paying cash, right? And I believe I don't know if Gillies really brought this up when he was on our show, Brooksy, and uh, I'm sorry about taking your fire with it, but in terms of the, them paying you money. That story about them paying you cash that I've, we've heard online before. Is that really all true? There's somebody just gives you cash and that that's how it was? Oh, it, it, yeah. You know, the first two years I was there, it, was, it, it wasn't the KHL. It was the Super League. And there was stories of, of cash and, you know, like there was killings and, and deaths and it wasn't safe. And there was different situations. But you know, I played in. I went over there, signed in Moscow Dynamo. They they guaranteed me uh, money just to come there, and they didn't give it to me. I said I wasn't going on the ice until they gave me it. Waited three or four days on this compound, no phone, no nothing, and then 
finally, I left and went down the road to Moscow Spartak, and Tyler Moss was there, a goalie, and I think Brooksy played with him. And it, and and you know, I, I went there. They said we we'd honor your contract. They gave me the money, but the the first payday is uh, after practice, and the guys go, okay, it's payday, let's go. And so you walk up into the attic of the rink. I didn't even know that rinks had attics, and. <laughs> And we walk up, and we stand in line, and it, it, it. I, if you ever been to Russia, it's like a 1945 uh, movie. It's everything's looks dresses that it's gray. It, there's not a lot of color. It, it, it reminds me of a 1940 movie. So we're in the attic of this rink, and and we're waiting in line, and I have no clue what's going on. Mosser has no clue what's going on, and you know it's my turn to go into the room, and I go into this room, and it's it's a broom closet, probably four by six. And there's an old lady with a mail bag, the big, big uh, gray mail bag that you couldn't rip open. And I'm, well, obviously it had to be just a pile of American bills. She had a sheet of paper and a money counter. And there was a big guy, mob guy behind her with a big gun just standing there. And you'd walk in. And I said, Ling, and she looks at the sheet, scratches my name, looks what I'm supposed to get paid, digs her hand in the bag and drops in the counter and goes here. So, you know. It, <laughs> and you left the rink with that. There's a, a handful of cash. No, it gets better. I, I, I said, I can't I can't get to the bank tonight. I can't take this home. Like, I can't take this amount of money home to my apartment. Like, I just can't do it. And so I gave it to the GM, put it in safe at the rink. He signed a paper saying, yeah. I got it. So I went home or I was going home. I, and Moscow called me. And we went downtown Moscow for some beers and I came back home and my apartment was ransacked. It's like an inside job because they, they figured I put my money in the, the apartment and left and, and they were going in to get it. And I, I'm sure it was, I don't, I'm not sure it was a player, but it was someone in the organization that was trying to get their money. Really? Wow. Good thing that you left it with the general manager. So they didn't take your money. Yeah, like it was. Yeah, like it wasn't. It wasn't five hundred dollars. So it was like I, I can't. I I can't walk around with this. No, no. <laughs> like Brooks, you ever have an experience like that overseas? Uh, no, you know I was fortunate that I didn't. Uh, you know I had an opportunity at one time to go to the KHL and and it was part of the. I was actually playing in Switzerland at the time and uh, you know it was a tough. Switzerland was so tough to leave. It was such an amazing. I know you got to play there in Beale. Uh, actually with another uh, Sioux uh, native, uh, Rico Fada. But, you know, I think for me, I just wanted to stay in Switzerland. I felt safe in Switzerland and all this. And to go to leave Switzerland, to go to the KHL at that time, just was not for me because I did hear stories that were just crazy like this, you know. And uh, I, I just didn't want to experience it. And I had a family and I was just like, nope, this is not happening. No, I and you probably made the right decision. There's, you know, like, it, it gets better. The certain guys that, you know, if you can stay in your house and play video games all day, it doesn't matter where you are, but you know, it, it was, a, it was, a, it was interesting, but it was very dangerous that, you know, like I was there the year before the plane crash. And when the plane crash happened, I'm like, see, I called that one. Cause you, you were on those planes. And, you know, I remember one time in Russia, I'm, I'm on uh, Moscow Dynamo and there's no one that knows English really on my team and and I'm just sitting there and we're waiting on the tarmac for four hours on the plane no food no drinks like you're I'm just sitting there no one's telling me anything and I asked the stewardess in sign language what's going on and she says she gives me the Russian 
sign for drinking. And then the pilot, so the pilot got caught drinking and we had to bring in another another pilot, but we had to fly him in from Moscow. So we we're waiting for the two hours or whatever to get him get him here on the flight to fly our plane back because the other guy got caught and then you never get caught on your first time. So and the planes were the planes that we were on were I'm sure they were in the graveyards in the US and the Russians just picked them up because they were, you know, the metal ashtrays and the steel bathrooms that I remember being on in, in nineteen eighty. Literally, honestly, you have those kind of stuff oh, happen overseas. I can't believe it's that much different where it seems like the most reliable payment is in, you know, North America. But we also know some people, Brooksy and I have some friends that are actually currently playing in uh, Switzerland, uh, including, you know, there's obviously Matt D'Agostini. And, you know, there they, there's some the stories that you hear from playing in Switzerland, as you said, Brooks, you want to say it's just beautiful there. I think Dags has been there over five years and, you know, to play overseas, that, you've had some people that play in the national hockey league, they go over there and then they just don't want to leave Europe. And Dave, with yourself, you played in Switzerland. As I said, you played in Finland, you played in the KHL, that's almost we were discussing. Uh, and you've also played in Italy and, you know, and in the elite, uh, in the EIHL there, which, you know, you and Brooks, you have a kind of a familiar kind of territory there. But between the, all those leagues that you've played at, which league and country stands out the most? Did I give it away with saying Switzerland or was there even another city? That's, that's yeah, like for, for the, for the, because, because you're making, you know, Switzerland's probably the second best paid country over there and, and, and you're making good money. And, and I, I compare Switzerland Northern Italy, Austria, Germany, to be, to be pretty similar in the way they live and the way the, the 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 country is. Switzerland by far is relaxed and 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 a and a and a country that you really enjoy. It's pretty. There's mountains. The people aren't aren't aggressive. It, it's not dangerous. So you know it it is. I I did I ended up having a you know as as you wear you wear the gold helmet over there, and you and you the gold jersey, and and you're like standing out with, during the games. And I had a I had the gold jersey, and and the coach who is um what's his name? His kid plays in Winnipeg. That's the uh, that's over when you play with the Panthers, right? Is that no in Switzerland? What's the what's the kid from Switzerland that plays in? But he's oh, Danish Nik- from Nikolai uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, so Ehlers, his dad was coaching me, and Nick was around, and the, so the, the head coach was Nicky's dad, and Nicky was around the room. He was probably eight or nine, and and the assistant coach was um, Malkoff, or his kid played in Florida, Markov, not Markov, one of the Russian name that he, and he was the assistant coach. But so the, I had the I had the gold helmet, and they called me in and said, "We're going to bring in," uh, and you guys would know this guy because he's from up there. We're gonna bring in a fifth import, and you're gonna sit in the in the stands. I'm like, yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. I don't think, but so and it, and the, the guy they were bringing in was Rika Fat, and he ended up having a couple a couple good years in in Beale and and in Switzerland. But so I said to the coach, I said, no chance. I'm not I'm not doing it. He said, you won't do it for the team. I'm like, I will. Actually, you're wrong. I will do it if you guys sign me to two more years. So I'll you know I'll do whatever you want. And he goes, we can't sign you to two more years. I said, well, I honestly, I can't stay. So, it, you know, I was, I, I don't know if there, there would have been another time where the gold helmet guy got, got, got dealt or 
got let no, go. No, that's crazy. Brought another guy. The, uh, he just didn't like. Well, the he just didn't like. Too. He didn't like. He didn't like how I played, and and didn't like that I was fast. And he's. I, he asked guys on the team that I don't know how that guy. I don't know how that guy plays and gets points. I don't know how he gets points. And you know, so it was just a. It was just a. He didn't like the way I played. Yeah, the it's so crazy because something similar happened to me when I was playing in Langnau. I was I had the the golden flaming helmet and jersey, you know, that you wear. And uh, and a new coach came in the next year, so I led the team in scoring. You know, we had a good year, and then next year a new coach came in, and I had two years left. And he said he wanted to bring his own guys in. You know, right at the start of the new season, and uh, you know, pretty much, you know, I ended up getting bought out. But like, it's just crazy, like you. You lead your team and you got the helmet and then next thing you know, a new coach comes in who doesn't like you and wants his own guys and, and how quick it happens. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to get my full payout and then sign on a new team. So it was, it was worked out great for me, but uh, I got, at the same time. It, it, that your exact situation, I got a, I got an understanding. I became friends with an agent and it, and it mainly happens in Russia, but it does happen in Switzerland where the coaches bring in their own players and, and what happens is, especially in Russia, is that they'll say that the GM will say, I got 500 grand, get me a player. The agent will call me and say, will you play for 300? And I said, no. And they said, well, three, I got, I, I worked really hard. I got them to 375. Yeah, I'll take it. Well, there's 125 that's sitting on the table that the coach and the agent split. Wow. <laughs> the stories overseas, it seems so much different than here in North America. <laughs> and everything. It's, it's called just, laws. The laws are different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the laws are different. Literally, I honestly, it seems like, uh, you know, when you have that kind of treatment that they just don't honor that, right? It's almost like like a mock no trade clause or movement clause, right? Is that kind of what I'm getting with it? But then it, it happens the odd time, and you were both, I guess, in that kind of crossfire. Is that kind of the best? Well, example? they have to they, they have they have to buy out. It happened to me, uh, you know, the the last year I was in in Russia. McGillney was our like GM, Alex McGillney, and, and uh, you know they named me captain. The fi- the coach got fired 18 games in, and new coach came in. And as soon as the new coach came in, like in Switzerland, as soon as the new coach comes in, you know that the imports are for sure gone, and some of the Russians because they want to bring in their guys that they're making the the, the money off of. So that's unbelievable. It's just stories overseas, but nonetheless, you were able to play in many different leagues, Dave, and get a lot of different experiences. And now, you know, we got two more topics we'll kind of bring up. Uh, and the first one, I'll let Brooksy bring it up before we go to our last topic, which is going to be our bonus questions that we kind of just throw out to you right on the spot. So, Brooksy, there's one thing that Dave did, obviously, after spending some time overseas, he went back to the East Coast League uh, and... This was asked too previously on some other uh, on airs that I've seen that you were part of, Dave. But I wanted you again to bring up here on this show as I felt there was a good story and a kind of a good fit way to end your career. But Brooksy, I'll let you ask the question. No, I just you know going back as a veteran guy, you were looking, uh, you know, being a leader and fulfilling that promise of keep playing. And you know, what was it to go back to you know North America? You know, like because you know once you go over to to Europe, but then you, you were able to go back. So I'm just, you know, curious how that all happened. Well, I was, you know, and it, there was some demographics involved. I was, I was, I was based in, I was basing out Ontario and I, I wanted to play. I don't, I wouldn't have played in Florida. I wouldn't have played, but you know, I knew, I knew about Brampton and, you know, I was, I was playing overseas and I, 
I, no, actually, you know what? I got a job in PEI and I was working for three or four months with the, the government and I hated it and I didn't want it and I wanted to play. And I went to LinkedIn and, and uh, Husey was the coach in Brampton and I, and I linked him and said, do you guys need anyone? Like, do you need a player? And he goes, you know what? Can you be here tomorrow? And I'm like, you know, give me two weeks. So, you know, two weeks and I was there. And then, you know, I, I wouldn't play one year and, and they would call me in January and say, you need, we need a player. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'll come back. So it was like, it was almost a joke in the, in the Brampton dress room that come January, Dave Ling be coming back. So, but you know, it was, it, it, it allowed me to keep playing. And you know, I, I really enjoyed the, I was able to take my boys on the, some bus trips that were week long into the, into the U S and, and, and they got to sleep on the bus and, and, and be old enough to, you know, when they, when I first, when they first were young, they didn't get chance really to to see what it was all about. Now they have memories that they're going to uh, remember. My youngest one, who was probably eight at the time, we were sleeping, and I woke up in the middle of the night at three, and I'm like, "Where is he?" And he's back playing cards with the old guy, the other guys in the back. So it's just you know, it, it's experiences like that. That yeah, I love playing, but it, it gave my kids that opportunity to to see it firsthand. See, and uh, just a perfect way to end it out, and just kind of go back over to come back home. Nest, well, basically the to North America, and just end it that way. And just to be that veteran guy to have that experience. They, hopefully, some of those younger guys are able to absorb uh, the kind of experience that you have. Just an overall good dude that you are, right? So just to over, overall cap up everything that you've done. You've played all over the world, and it's amazing to see what you've accomplished and just to also see your number retired in junior. You've accomplished a lot in your career. So it's amazing. And getting to our bonus questions, I said that we were going to ask you and Brooksy, I'll go first and I'll let you top it off. Cause you usually do ask the better on the spot questions. So uh, looking at your type of player and experiences, also your obvious brilliance as you're an individual who in, in the business world, have an MBA has coaching ever crossed your mind as an opportunity to try to get into coaching whatsoever. You know what I, I get asked all the time, and I've reflected. I reflected lots. Um, I would I would have loved to coach. I think I played myself out of coaching. I came out I came out too old that I wasn't. You know, no one was going to give me a head coaching job, and and I'm not I'm not doing the working my way up at the assistant coach level because you're 45 years old. You know, you have different you have different needs and different different wants. You go, but I love. I love scouting. I love watching. I love watching players and 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 trying to predict if they're going to be good and 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 going with guys that are our scouts or or running junior teams and 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 helping out. I like I like good young talent. I like watching them. So I think that scouting is and I and I and I know the game and I know I'm not one of those old guys that thinks that the 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 big dumb chip the puck guy can still play because he can't like you know I, I i've adapted i've been in i've been in the last three four eras where i've seen the game change and adapt and i know you know ideally you want a guy like yourself to make it and but those guys are gone so it's like i know what the game is i know what it takes i know and i love watching the young good talent like i you know i just like watching a good bantam triple a minor midget game where you're 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 watching really good young players and, and, and you're remembering names and then re-looking them up and, and that, but coaching to me, I, I, you know, I would have coached, I think if I was younger and started, started, I, cause I do like, 
I wouldn't have wanted to left the game if I, I, th- I think that if I left the game with an injury at 30 and, and, and I think the coaching would have been the, the perfect stepping point. Then I think coming out at 40, 43, you know, you're, you're at a different part in your life and, 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 and the, you, you're leaving the game at 43, 41, because you can't play in two, because you don't want to be gone eight months of the year and, and having to do, do that, that part. And, and as a coach, you, you have to do that part. So it, it kind of was the, and there's no, there's no security in, in, in the coaching either. You could be there one day and gone the next, and then four years down the road and nearly 50, you're looking for another job. So I think that coaching, I, I played myself out of it, but scouting, will I ever be a scout or will I ever, do I ever go to the rink and just watch kids? Yeah. See, I think that that's actually a good fit too, to go that route. Brooksy. Yeah, my uh, my question is, it's just you know one that uh, I always uh, want to throw out there, and it's uh, you know, was there a coach you know growing up that had such an influence on you in the hockey world that you know kind of you know helped you out? Like I had Bruce Boudreau, who was a huge help for me and kind of guided me through my career. And uh, I'm just curious if you had a guy like that, or even a player, an older player that uh, you know was there for you, or uh, you know someone you want to give a shout out to. Yeah, you know, and, 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 you know, Forby Kennedy, when I was young, gave me that, that first step, but, you know, I went in my first two years junior, I had Dave Allison and, and I was, I was fighting and, you know, I, and, and yeah, I did get some points and I, but I, it, it wasn't appreciated. It was more do this, get that. And, and my third year, Gary Agnew came in from London and, uh, you know, made me captain, gave me the opportunity, put, put everything put everything on, on my back and, and, and showed respect. And, and, you know, we became, I was, I was 19, 20, and we became friends and, and, and where we were, we would talk away from the rink and, and, and be friends. I, you know, I, his daughter's playing soccer now in, in Europe. And I remember going to the house and, and giving them a gift from the team when she was born and, and things like that. But then he ended up coached me again in in Syracuse about seven eight years later made me captain again and and just having that guy that was in your corner and having that guy that gave you ice time and you know you even if you did screw up and 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 your game wasn't you know 100% complete he 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 put you on the ice to to produce and and that's in the American League and in junior that's really what I was there for I had to produce and if I didn't produce it was it was hard on my head fighting came but it but in the American League, I had to produce, and, and he put me in those positions. Some coaches put you in positions to fail. He always put me in a position to succeed, and I think that that was – we're still friends now. I still talk to him and, and still reach out, and, and I think he would be the one that – you know, I've had good coaches and I've had bad coaches, but he's the one that would would stick out as the guy that had my back and, and, and really respected the, what I would bring to a team. It's good to have those kind of individuals that have just step up and be a big influence in your career because one bad year or one bad coach to give you a bad experience despite whatever the league is, more so when it comes to the junior ranks and under. But as soon as you enter pro, it, it, it helps solidify your career and know who you are and really find that love for the game to keep on going forward. And that's obviously great. And that's great what Allison did for you there. And it was the same. It was the same. It was the same. Like it, it like you said, it, it takes it takes one coach to like you, and it takes one coach not to like you. Like Dave King, didn't like the way I played, and the day he got fired, I was up for a year and a half. So it's like it it you, some people don't get that opportunity or that change, and it 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 takes a coach to to you know to 
respect you and, and believe in you that you can do it. And it doesn't matter if you're a fourth line player or a third line player or first line player. The coach, if he if he tells you, you know what, you're going to play and you're the fourth line guy and this is your role and you, and 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 you do it and and he shows you respect, you you love that guy. It's the guys that you you give your your balls to and they, and they don't respect it and don't give you that opportunity and they you know they it's almost like they get excited when you fail yeah i couldn't have said that any better i couldn't agree more brooksy any final thoughts before we wrap up no i just you know uh, nothing at all i just want to thank you for coming on uh, are you gonna play senior it. brooks brooks are you gonna play uh, senior? I've, I've been thinking about it if uh you know if things change and uh, get back i you know i've had quite a few calls from hamilton and uh uh, but maybe headed that way. So uh, we'll, we'll get see. In sh- we'll see. Get, get in shape. <laughs> <laughs> you For still sure, have uh, shot, but like Dave, I know. I'm sure, like I said at the beginning, he does a clap sh- or a clap shot. Wow, here I go. Clap bombs yeah. top of the circle, and like he's got That's that. The speed. only way. He's got that speed still, though. You know, I'll give you that, Brooksy. Even though you you you've been a couple years out of the professional game, you know, you still got that wicked speed. <laughs> I remember Thank him going by me, but I'm sure he felt he, he'd fly by me, but he felt my stick go on the back of his legs. Oh, going yeah. by. I think a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dave, I want to say thank you for taking the time for responding on Instagram, if you will. And uh, then, you know, enraging and a quick turnaround to do the show with myself and Brooksy in here on the game. So it's obviously been a little extra time than what we said we would, but that's how it goes all the time, every time with these uploads, because we have all these good stories and tales that we get into. So I want to say thank you very much again. And even before we officially sign off, I want you to remind listeners uh, what way they can contact you or what way they can follow you, see you, keep in touch with you and all that fun stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm on I'm on social media. I don't I'm, I don't hide. And you know, I under the IG website, David Ling, Waterdown, Ontario. And you know, it, I I don't put pressure on, but I you know I I feel like everyone should get a second opinion and and where they are and and, and just see different options. And if someone wants to reach out and and get that second opinion, it can be virtually or it has to be virtually now. But it, you know, later on it can be face face and, and and go from there and if you want to ask a hockey story to boot go ahead love that you certainly got good tales and i you know if we had more time i'm sure we can get into more but i want to say thank you very much uh for coming on the show and i'm a new follower to you uh apologize i didn't follow you as much before <laughs> uh but you know nonetheless uh glad they're able to get connected and for you to stop by the show yep and if you want me on again feel free to reach out stay yep. in touch Definitely will do so. Brooksy, I want to say thank you to you too, brother, as always being a co-host on the show. And uh, I'm sure I know that we'll be in touch and doing, obviously we got a lot, 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 lot more of these. But nonetheless, getting to our sign-off now, I want to remind listeners that if you're listening to Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Podbean, Podtail, our website, Facebook, Instagram, whatever way that you were sent this way, make sure that you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all those particular platforms. And I want to make sure I remind you that you take the desktop portion of your phone to save our website on. Simply, you just go to add a bookmark or highlight and copy-paste the link and bring it towards to your 
home and desktop. And you can have the Game Sports Show website right at your fingertips, literally, on your desktop of your laptop, obviously, or in particular what I'm talking about is your phone. So you can just click it and you can keep up to date with all the great content that we have with our special edition uploads, our news shows, and all the other episodes that we have here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. And also saying thank you again to Dave and also thanks to Brooksy, to you, the listeners. I want to make sure I remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. You can follow the Game Sports Show on Facebook and Instagram at the Game Sports Show.